We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This week on The Timeline, Ryan McDonough was fired and Robert Sarver might be crazy. We also bring on AZ Central's Dwayne Rankin. Sam, 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 it happened. It finally happened. <laughs> oh, man. We had to record. This was a planned podcast, but we would have done an emergency podcast anyway because both the team of Sham Sharania and Woj reported that Robert Sarver has fired Ryan McDonough. Sam Cooper, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm I'm conflicted, Mike. I actually don't know. I don't know how I'm doing today at all. I have this news broke in the morning, and uh, all day I've been thinking about it. Me too. I've been looking forward to recording this podcast literally all day. I've been thinking about how we're going to talk about it and what I really think about it, and I've been conflicted too. It's it's been all over the place, and and then. Robert Sarver goes on Burns and Gambo, a local radio show, and gives almost no answers. It was almost like hearing a political interview, like like a, just somebody trying to pivot away from actually answering questions and try and give the most vague and uninteresting answers as possible, which is probably the smart thing for him to do. Uh, but it didn't give us a lot of information about what this was about. Uh, but let's cover it from the top. So uh basically out of the blue a bomb was dropped phoenix suns have fired general manager ryan mcdonough now ryan mcdonough has had an up and down tenure uh with the team uh, but there has been no reactions of why was he fired nobody has really said that that the reactions have more been based around why was he fired 
right now. And I'm going to call for an ISO right away. I hate to do this right off the bat, but spread the floor, Sam. I'm, I'm just going to go over why he was fired. Here we go. On July 10th, 2013, McDonough trades for Eric Bledsoe. On July 12th, 2014, McDonough signs Isaiah Thomas. The Suns go on to play a three-point guard lineup that causes the national media to laugh, even though it proved to be an effective lineup, especially offensively. Dragic then asks to be traded after saying he was made promises that were never kept, and he no longer trusted the front office. On February 19th, 2015, Dragic and Isaiah Thomas were traded for Brandon Knight and picks. Brandon Knight is eventually signed to a massive contract and plays badly in his time with the Suns. On July 9th, 2015, the Morris Twins saga begins in earnest when McDonough brings in Marcus Morris to join his brother Markeith. The Twins are signed to joint contracts, in quotes. Marcus is eventually traded after the Morris Twins bring drama and technical fouls to Phoenix. Markeith was mad about it. On February 1st, 2016, McDonough fires Jeff Hornacek and hires Earl Watson. On February 18th, Markeith Morris was traded, ending the saga that included throwing a towel at the coach, fighting a teammate on the bench, and disparaging the fans. On October 22nd of 2016, Earl Watson is then fired. He did all of these things while drafting Alex Len, Dragon Bender, and Marquise Chris with top 10 picks, but he also drafted Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, and DeAndre Ayton. And without that Devin Booker draft, it's easy to wonder how he would be perceived right now. Sam, what's your initial reaction to this firing? Well, I'm not necessarily a defender of Ryan McDonough. We've both trashed him before on this podcast. Uh, But that doesn't mean... uh, Well, First of all, I still believe in the timeline. And so I don't think you can really fairly judge this firing as it happens today without taking into account so much of McDonough's legacy rests on the fate of Josh Jackson, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikhail Bridges. And, you know, if one thing that's really going to enrage me is if in 2022 the Suns are a finals contender on the backs of Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton as these two superstars and maybe one of Josh Jackson or Mikhail Bridges is the third fiddle to those two, then if Robert Sarver or James Jones or anyone else who's serving as the GM then is trying to take credit for it, uh, really, in that case, McDonough would have sort of redeemed himself because the timeline worked. Uh, and, and so all of the ire that he's getting of these Suns fans right now wouldn't have been worth it whatsoever and he really has the potential still i'd say almost to become like this sam hinky figure uh in phoenix if the timeline pans out that being said i don't think the question here is was ryan mcdonough a great gm i think the vast majority of us suns fans recognize he wasn't a great gm he was maybe at best an okay gm it's more i'm worried about what the next move is and i'm worried about robert sarver having control over who the next general manager of this franchise is because i don't have the faith in Robert Sarver to find a general manager that's necessarily better than Ryan McDonough as the next step, as the team tries to flip the script, as Robert Sarver kept saying to Burns and Gambo on the radio today. It's not that Ryan was so great, it's that I am just pessimistic enough to not really have any faith that the next general manager is going to be better. I think Suns fans are understating it, not really realizing how much worse it can get for us before it does get better. Here's a couple of points I want to make. Actually, let's start with Robert Sarver. Now, what I want to know is, Robert Sarver, first of all, he's kind of looked at as maybe the worst, too close to the worst owner in all of the NBA. 
Now, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I don't necessarily agree with it either. And I think the question that I'm wondering, the question that I'm sort of posing is, can owners get better? Is it possible for an owner to start out really badly and then improve? Because if you do believe that's possible, let's go over the sort of what Robert Sarver's ownership of the team has been like. He came in in the best situation possible as far as owning a team goes. He, he had two stars, Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. He sort of sold some draft picks. He did a pretty bad job of building the team and then sort of lucked out uh, when Steve Kerr put together that Western Conference finals team, which was a little bit of an accident for Steve Kerr, as we know as well. Um, it was, you know, we covered that in the past, and that led to a Western Conference finals appearance. So that a lot of people don't give Robert Sarver credit for that, and that's fair, but he kind of deserves a little bit of credit for that as well. It happened under his tenure. And then a few years of mediocrity. There were teams that were attempting to be good over time. And this is his this is his legacy at this point. His legacy is a guy who's trying to be good and has only succeeded in being mediocre. But how long did that really happen under Robert Sarver? Two or three years, maybe four years at the most, really. You can kind of say once Amari Stoudemire left, so the 2011, 10-11 season and beyond for the next few years. And then the rebuild began... Uh, in earnest, 1415-ish, I think. I, I can't remember exactly the season that we decided it fully began when we did our McDonough conversation. 15, 15, 16 was the start of the tank officially. So let's say four years of mediocrity. And, and in those four years of mediocrity, there was an accidental 48-win team. So that was a good team. And, and, and admittedly, that was when the rebuild was supposed to start. So what we can really say is, he started out with a good team. He took that good team to the Western Conference Finals. And then there was four years of mediocrity where he made a lot of really terrible decisions. That was followed up with a general manager. Ryan McDonough's biggest accomplishment was convincing Robert Sarver to tank. This was something that Suns fans were begging for at the time. They were tired of watching the owner sell off picks and try and sign Josh Childress and Vince Carter and Martian Gortat, whoever you want to point at at that time. That only led to us winning 35 to 40 games at the most, and that was in the best possible situation. It got worse. It got much, much worse. So that followed with an owner actually deciding to fully embrace the tank for a few years. Now, that is a good decision for an owner to make, fully embracing the tank. Now, there were missteps in the tank, but there are always missteps in the tank. There has never been a tank that fully went perfectly other than maybe the Tim Duncan tank, the famous San Antonio sit David Robinson and then draft Tim Duncan and then just put the team back together. That That's sort of a the, the semi-tank, if you will. It's just a one-season tank. This was a full rebuild from the ground up, and there's always missteps, and those missteps did happen under Ryan McDonough and Robert Sarver, but that also happened under uh, Sam Hinkie, he drafted some 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 duds. Uh, we know Nerlens Noel, we know MCW, we know all the all the players Okafor, for example, that they drafted. But they also got Embiid and Simmons, and maybe Markel or yeah, Markel Fultz will be a dud as well. But maybe he'll be a star. So the question is, is this a terrible, terrible decision from a owner that's going back to his old ways, which was just four years of mediocrity, or is this an owner saying? Okay, it's easy to be bad. It's easy for a general manager to be bad. I need a general manager that knows how to be good now. And a lot of that will depend on where we go from here. Because what we can see is, will he just elevate 
James Jones to a role he's never been in, and that seems like a, exactly. an old school Robert Sarver? Or is he going to bring in guys like David Griffin that maybe he didn't really work super well with in the past, but that does not matter because he's really trying to win? Or maybe even Sam Hinkie. Now, I don't see that happening because, I, as I said on Twitter, I believe that Sam Hinkie is shadow banned by Adam Silver and not allowed to work in the NBA as a general manager anymore. <laughs> but it, it what matters now is what happens next because what happens next will determine is if it's possible for an owner to get better or if they just are what they are because they're rich guys and nobody nobody really tells them no uh, i'm sorry i ranted a little bit there but what what do you That's what do fine. you think about all that sam yeah right this firing comes with a lot of feelings so obviously the both of us are going to rant i just want to address these two names that keep popping up that i've been seeing all day james jones and david griffin as the two most likely uh suspects even though a, a formal general manager search hasn't started yet i don't like either of those names and it's not really that i don't like either of those names it's that i don't believe we have enough information to sort of give them the hype that i believe suns fans are currently giving them right now if you look at david griffin's brief four-year stint in cleveland i believe that you could have taken any number of gms around the nba put them into that stellar of a situation they would have gotten the same results that david griffin did and I think for a lot of people, it's very easy to look at Ryan McDonough's stint in Phoenix, see that we consistently finished with one of the worst records in the NBA, and then look at David Griffin and see that the Cavs were good and sort of conclude on a surface level that that means that Griffin good, McDonough bad. But if you delve a little bit deeper into that, I, I don't think there's much of a difference between those two general managers. David Griffin lucked out in the sense that LeBron James wanted to return to Cleveland in 2014 to redeem his legacy. He lucked out in the sense that the Cavs got two straight back-to-back number one overall picks that they didn't deserve, which he then flipped for Kevin Love, which I think any general manager could have done if they were given those picks. So, you know, beyond getting lucky on those two levels, Kyrie Irving was already with the team as well. Really, all David Griffin did was he made a couple coaching hires like David Blatt and Teron Liu and these minor trades like J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, and Timofey Mozgov. I don't think that he's the magic band-aid to stop the bleeding for the Suns uh, for the Phoenix Suns, that Suns fans seem to be sort of giving him this reputation of right now. And and I would like to stop the hype train there a little bit. And then when it comes to James Jones, it's exactly the Earl Watson situation again. And I'm not saying that James Jones is completely incapable of evaluating talent at a high level, but you don't want to uh, get out of this laughingstock situation where everyone was talking about Earl Watson was not ready to be an NBA head coach and then do the same exact thing where you take a guy one year removed from retiring from the league and thrust him into a position he's not ready for. Uh, so, yeah, just what Sarver was saying on the radio today, really propping up James Jones a little bit too much for my taste. I'd like to believe that they're going to go out and get someone with some good experience, but I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling pretty pessimistic about the upcoming search right now, at least until we well, receive more information. We have to, I have to ask you then. What general manager is there out there that you'd be comfortable with? Because here's the problem with a general manager search is that the good ones never leave their jobs. They stay in their jobs for a really long time. So what you end up doing is you, you look for the guys that maybe are fired a little unfairly like David Griffin because he did. Although I think you're right, there were some lucky breaks. I think a lot of general managers that are really good get a few lucky breaks along the way. Uh, but he did shepherd a good team into the finals. So he was fired after that, and that means that he's a general manager that has experience taking a team to the finals that's available at, at this point, which is a rare thing that just doesn't really happen that often. 
So the other option is you start looking at young guys from teams that have really creative and innovative general managers. Guys like, say, Ryan McDonough. Exactly. That's, well, I was about to say that. Here's here's the sort of fault in my thinking, right? Is it's going to sound ridiculous, but I think the Suns should hire another general manager in the mold of a Ryan McDonough. And that's, <laughs> I guess, sort of indicative of my thought process here being that Ryan McDonough wasn't a complete failure. I never questioned when he made any sort of draft, any sort of trade, the logic behind it. I always believed that Ryan McDonough, as poor as his people managing skills were, that he was going into each of his basketball decisions sort of analyzing it from every angle. I believe that he believed in the power of the eye test, but he also believed heavily in analytics and statistics, as you need to do these days, which is not always the case for these former players who are turned into executives, by the way. Uh, So, you know, and it's not necessarily anything against David Griffin either. I don't think David Griffin would be a bad hire by any means. I just, I think replacing Ryan McDonough with David Griffin is more of a lateral move than Suns fans are recognizing right now. It's easy to get caught up in the hype of the Cavs being carried to the finals several years in a row by LeBron James. I'm not ready to attribute all of that success to David Griffin specifically and then pretend that that would translate uh, should he come to Phoenix. So the other name that Woj reported was Kevin McHale. Now, Kevin McHale supposedly lives in Phoenix or or in Arizona, at least close to Phoenix, and uh, maybe has a previous relationship with some of the people with, I guess, Robert Sarver is the main. It's the only person you have to impress at this point. I guess James Jones might have a say in it. It seems like Robert Sarver, like you said, was pumping up James Jones to prepare us for the potential James Jones future general manager job. But Kevin McHale was thrown out there, and (laughs) that's very bizarre to me. Uh, One... Kevin McHale has never been a general manager, but he was... He handled the uh, the Timberwolves. Oh, yes, that's correct. He did handle the Tim- Timberwolves in the past. Okay, I should say, Kevin McHale's most recent stint was as a coach, yes. a, a head coach. That's That's a better way to put it. Now, I do think that Kevin McHale was actually a better coach than a lot of people realize and actually was a little unfairly maligned as the coach of the Houston Rockets, and he did a pretty good job. There were also problems with him not getting along with some of his players, which is something that sort of is the reason that he was fired from that job. And that's just something when you think about getting rid of McDonough, because I do agree with you. I think McDonough was a very smart guy who knew a lot about basketball, but did not know a lot about people and managing uh, or struggled with that. I can't really make a judgment without ever having met the guy. But the idea of us bringing in a guy like Kevin McHale, who has had problems with personality management in the past, is a little bit insane. But it does kind of feel like, uh, you know, Robert Sarver looking at saying, you know, Danny Ainge, oh, that guy was on that Celtics team and he's such a great general manager. What about Kevin McHale? He was on that team too. Doesn't that just feel like a Robert Sarver type move to you? Yeah, it does a little bit. Uh, What we have to consider with McHale is uh, his claim to fame as a general manager is trading Kevin Garnett from the Timberwolves to the Celtics for trash Mm -hmm. for Al Jefferson and uh, a couple of first round picks. Um, trying to think who else was involved in that deal. Gerald Green, Ryan Gomes, I think, guys like that. Not great. And actually, okay, so I just pulled it up. The two first-round picks that they got ended up turning into Wayne Ellington and Johnny Flynn. Woof. God, it's so funny how the Timberwolves selected uh, Rubio and Flynn yes. both ahead of Steph Curry. It should be said that that could have been Wayne Ellington and Steph Curry, and that trade would be viewed a lot Wayne. differently. And and true, true. And it should be said, too, Kevin McHale did not make that pick. That was David Kahn. That's also true. 
So yes. who knows what it would have been if Kevin McHale stayed there. But even even regardless of all of that, that trade is still uh, in its current form, not a great trade. Yeah. So I don't know. Overall, I, I don't feel um, too negative about Kevin McHale, but I, I do kind of get the sense that I want some fresh blood in there to try to, to see if you can poach someone. I mean, look, Robert Sarver is not a great guy by all accounts to to work for, but this is one of 30 openings if you want to be an NBA general manager and it's got a great young core. I think that's pretty much undeniable at this point. So you'd hope that you can still have some interviews with these uh, guys. And for Suns fans out there who, who think I'm uh, making it sound like I really just want another Ryan McDonough clone, maybe it is being a little optimistic, but I'd like to think you can get a guy with the smarts of Ryan McDonough because I really do think he is a savvy basketball mind. Uh, but someone who's better with the interpersonal side of things and and can sort because that was ryan mcdonough's biggest weakness that we always criticized if if you can find someone who can sort of manage those two things uh and, and manage not to just be a mouthpiece for robert sarver then that would be the ideal situation i just don't know if we're going to luck into a situation like that correct and, and in a weird way that might actually be james jones it's just that we're so scarred from previous decisions like terry porter or watson it's just a little scary to think about them promoting from within without making uh, a genuine effort to try and find the best option. Now, we don't know what's going to happen here, but but I do want to go back to a previous point I was making about Robert Sarver because and and forgive me for being the guy that's actually defending Robert Sarver right now, but I'm not actually trying to do that because I do think it could go either way at this point. It could be that he's a complete disaster and and maybe who knows why we're even being uh, Suns fans anymore but it also could be that he's actually genuinely trying to improve the team because Ryan McDonough has made a lot of mistakes in the past and he doesn't want a guy who's made that kind of mistakes to be the guy that's shepherding this team into the future of potentially winning when you have really important pieces like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton on the team I, I don't want to judge too much yet because it's really difficult to know what's going on right now. And I, and I do think it's possible for owners to get better. And I, and I wonder why he hasn't gotten the credit uh, for actually committing to tanking by a lot of national media. I think that takes a lot for an owner to do. And very few owners have actually ever done it. They, they, you know, Philadelphia Ownership Group gets a lot of credit from national media for, for actually committing to tanking for years and years and years to actually build as big of a core as, or be, or as good of a core as they've built over time. Whereas the Suns, maybe not, we haven't tanked as long, but we did put a lot of time into tanking to try and build a core. So my question to you is, how do you feel about Robert Sarver going forward? Do you think that this is just a complete disaster and we should give up? Like a lot of Suns fans are kind of talking online right now. Or do you think it's too early to judge? Yeah, well, I'm not going to go out and purchase a billboard that tells him to sell the team. Um, <laughs> I'm not at that point yet. I could get there. <laughs> I'll be honest, I could get there, <laughs> but I'm not there yet. I, I think more it's just my main worry about Robert Sarver is always that there are owners where you get the sense that they really love the sport of basketball. You know, you watch Mark Cuban on TV all the time watching the the Dallas Mavericks and you can really tell he's a fan. He, he wants to put the best basketball product out there as possible for the sake of, of that being a successful organization, not just the profit. I'm not saying that Robert Sarver doesn't like basketball at all. I'm not saying he hates basketballs and, and goes 
around to public parks popping basketballs in his spare time. But <laughs> I get the impression sometimes that, you know, this we could be headed for another era of Phoenix Suns basketball where he's just trying to make the team economically viable, uh, sort of bring the fan base back to the point where they're making money, winning 45 games. Fans are going to turn out for that. But ultimately, you're never going to get anywhere. And, and for the diehards who really follow this team, who really have believed in the concept of the timeline over the past couple of years to make some short-minded, uh, irrational, maybe kind of emotional decisions right now where you sell off prospects for okay veterans that are only going to take you so far, I think that would hurt a lot. So to wrap up this conversation a little bit, I want to talk about the three guys here. Uh, let's The three guys that I think have the highest likelihood of being... Uh, the general manager of this team. First of all, I want to say that I don't believe that David Griffin's actually in the race. I think that's just that's coming from Suns fans. Although I think it was oh I forget who it was. There was a reporter on Twitter who did mention that David Griffin could get a look at the job. I just don't think that's likely. I think a lot of guys who work with Robert Sarver just don't end up working with him again. Although Igor did come back, so who knows? Uh, so let's say David Griffin, let's say James Jones, and let's say Kevin McHale. And I want to say, who do you feel the most comfortable with of those three guys? And let's start with you, Sam. What, which one of those three guys do you feel the most comfortable with? And maybe which one of them do you feel the least comfortable with? Uh, most comfortable would be Griffin. Again, not that I think he's a bad GM whatsoever. I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, everything I've read from him makes him seem like a smart guy. It's just I, I don't have so much faith in him that I'd be ready to call us a contender immediately. And then the least faith, again, just sort of on the opposite side of the spectrum james jones not because i've seen anything verifiable that says that he would be a terrible general manager but he quite simply doesn't have that experience we just don't know yeah i, I think those are fair assessments but i actually would put i'd put david griffin at the top still now it's just such a close race though because i don't feel that comfortable with him either but i think that he's the most proven uh, and as far as being the most proven that's the easiest bet the thing is, is I don't think that the most proven guy is always the best hire. I think that sometimes you have to think a little outside of the box, and that's kind of what Phoenix has been known for as far as being good in the past. So I want to be that team that is capable of doing that. Maybe that's James Jones. I, I But the one thing I know for sure is it's not Kevin McHale. Uh, I don't think that Kevin McHale is is the guy. Now, who knows? Maybe Kevin McHale ends up being the guy because I was, you know, Woj is rarely wrong about this kind of thing. So if we had to make a bet on someone, maybe that's the safest bet at this point. It's just I don't buy into him being the guy that can shepherd this team in the future. Let me uh, wait, you know, wait. He, Maybe he could teach DeAndre Ayton some post moves, though. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can. But let me ask you something, Mike. When we graded every uh, significant move of Ryan McDonough's tenure, what grade did you give the Earl Watson hiring? F. I believe you laughed when we even got to it. Like, the idea of Earl Watson was such a joke. What is your rationale for hiring James Jones? What, explain to me, wait, wait, explain to me how that is not the definition of insanity to do that one year removed from the, the Earl Watson fiasco. Regardless of James Jones's actual basketball ability, he could be the greatest scout in the universe. But just explain that logic to me. It is the fact that he has been to the finals so many times uh, and, and that's it. And I, and I realized that that is a very on the surface level observation that may not matter at all, but it seems like everyone who has been around James, do you remember the, the, the uh, Kevin love Instagram post about James Jones when they stopped being teammates? Do you remember all the things that Kevin love said about James Jones? 
And the way that LeBron James talked about James Jones in the past and the fact that he's been there so many times, he kind of knows what it takes to get there. I know, very on the surface level observations, but it's not, you know, it's hard for us to make these decisions, right? What we're doing is we're consuming everything on TV, we're consuming everything on Twitter, we're consuming everything on Reddit, and then we're making observations based on that. So that's all I got to go on. I don't know what James Jones is like to talk to in person and what he what kind of decisions he makes around basketball, but I do know that LeBron does and Kevin Love does and they seem to really, really, really respect him. So I don't know. It's just I don't think it's that insane of an idea, but I, I also think it's completely insane because <laughs> it just depends on the process, right? I do think if we go through interviewing a lot of interesting guys from other teams and then we end up with James Jones I'd feel a little more comfortable with it if all of a sudden two weeks from now after he makes some terrible trade for a point guard (laughs) James Jones is just immediately elevated to that position then that makes me feel a little different about it it's just that I don't think that James I think James Jones is really smart and I don't think he's the same as Earl Watson I guess is more more than anything else I think it's a different kind of guy I certainly hope so I can't wait for the Josh Jackson for Patrick Beverly trade no. notification that we might no. see in a week. <laughs> wow. I think the most likely thing is that we end up with James Jones, general manager, and maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm, I got nothing to go on. I got as much to go on as you do. I have no idea what's going on. But maybe we should bring on uh, someone who who maybe kind of does know what's going on. That's a great idea. Let's take a quick break. And coming up, we have the brand new Suns reporter for AZ Central. We've all been waiting to find out who he is. We get to hear from him in person. We get to see what he's like, talk about his past a little. Um, It is Dwayne Rankin from AZ Central. That's coming up next. And you know what, Sam? We're recording this before the Warriors game. Let's watch the Suns versus Warriors, and maybe maybe that'll cheer us up, right? Yeah, until Tyler Ulyss finishes with a plus 30, 16 points, 10 assists. Joining us from AZ Central, the brand new reporter for the Phoenix Suns, Dwayne Rankin. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us on the timeline. We're really happy for you to be here. Uh, no problem. No problem at all. I'm sitting there watching the end of the Knicks and the uh, Wizards. Knicks are still the Knicks. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so wait, no Warriors Suns. So, yeah, no problem. No problem. Happy to be on. Perfect. Thank you so much. Now, couple questions just first right off the bat. You joined the AZ Central crew to cover the Phoenix Suns in a really interesting time for the franchise. First off, the number one overall pick. Apparently, we're done tanking now. That's what Robert Sarver said on the radio. Uh, the team's going to look to win. They've added a whole bunch of new players. And then all of a sudden, today, uh, Robert Sarver fires general manager Ryan McDonough. What What is it like to join... Uh, the the crew covering the team in this time for the franchise. What's it What's it been like for you? Uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've been doing this doing this for a long time, so I mean, it, it, it's definitely odd. Uh, I'm not gonna say that they're acting like it's not odd, but I mean, when you when the franchise uh, you have the worst record last year, and then you've only won like 68 games over the last three years, um, and then they couldn't acquire uh, the type of point guard that they wanted. Um, Let's, let's make that correct. And they couldn't re- acquire 
the point guards that they wanted. <laughs> um, so once you get, once you see that, and you see how the team's playing, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by it, but you know, it, it just felt like something was bound to happen because of what, you know, what, what was going on. Um, you know, as good as Aiden has looked, uh, you know, it, it was glaring that a point guard was needed. And so, um, by not getting one and, and then that being obviously a, a major issue for the, for the team in terms of the, the idea that they're going to take this next step and this is what's needed. And then it hasn't been brought in and you see all these names, you know, I don't think that was what, I don't think that's what got him uh, fired. But I think that may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. And uh, so when you add all that up and do a hindsight 2020, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. So, but, but to answer your initial question, um, it's not odd. I mean, I've covered teams where, you know, coaches got fired. Um, those teams, you know, players left, you know, uh, trades. So I've, I've seen all, I've seen this before, uh, not at the, not before the right before the start of the season. Uh, that's, that's a little bit, that's a little bit odd. Uh, but any, again, you know, anything is fair game, uh, now. So I, I'm, I'm at the end of the day, uh, surprised initially, but after I've thought about it, you know, not, 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 not overly shocked. Surprised, but not, but not shocked. It seems like the biggest reaction that we've been seeing is the same. Not surprised that he was fired, but surprised more by the timing of right. it. Like you said, you've been doing this a long time. Do you find that to be the most odd part of it, just the timing in general, being that it's in the middle of preseason, the season starts in eight days? I say, I mean, I was, again, yeah, like, like you say, I mean, the timing is, is, is odd. It just, it just, it just, you're wondering why. It, but just listening um, to Sarver, and I listened to the same interview you guys did and everybody else did, um, he, he kept saying the next step. So I'm just wondering what the next step is. He said, "We, you know, we did this to facilitate the next step. The next step is, isn't isn't supposed to be <coughs> the GM hire because he said he's going to take his time making that hire. He said it you know, wasn't going to be in a rush to make that hire. So if you're believing that, what is the next step? Uh, and then that, <laughs> so, so is that making a move to get a point guard, you know, really shaking up the roster? I mean, what, what exactly is the next step? He, he didn't really address the point guard situation. Um, he just said, I don't want to get into specifics and we have this number of point guards and we're doing this, but he, he kept saying the next step. So obviously whatever that is, he didn't feel as if McDonough was the guy to make that next step. Uh, and that could be a number, a number of things, but the timing is, is definitely, uh, definitely odd. But, but, but I do find it interesting that when you look at McDonough and, and he was talking about, you know, on the media day about, you know, they were going to, you know, still were exploring the options of making trades. And so you saw that and that was, Two weeks ago. So if in that two-week time, nothing happened. So it was almost like, well, you said that, that, that this was still on the table, but then no move was made in terms of, you know, of, 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 of making that happen. Now, they, they tried, obviously, 
but didn't even get any get the result, didn't get any results out of it. So I look at that two weeks and I'm going, maybe I was more pivotal than what initially we thought, you know, because McDonald was talking about trade deadline, you know, all the way up to the trade deadline, he was thinking. And I had to think, yeah, you had to think two weeks ago, he wasn't thinking two weeks later, he was going to get fired. I'm, I'm sure he was thinking, okay, I got time to make this happen. And then, and then two weeks later to be let go, that's odd. That's odd. To me, maybe to nobody else, but to me, that's odd. No, it's it's definitely odd. And listening to that <laughs> interview with Robert Starver today, you heard him talk about he thinks that the team hit sort of a plateau and that he wants right. to flip the script and, and really start winning. Do you buy into that? Because, you know, while the team has made some moves this offseason, you could certainly say they got better. Is it a reasonable expectation, in your opinion, for Sarver to want this team to be winning now, or are they really still too young for that? Well, and that, well, it's almost like, you know, I hate to keep harping on this point guard thing, but that that that's where we are with with this team. Um, you know, I think when he's saying the whole idea to flip something, um, I think part of that is going out and 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 really trying to get a major, you know, player. Somebody that, that, that's going to come in and you're like, oh, wow. You know, you know the, the wow factor. You know, Ariza is a great pickup, but he's not the wow factor. Um, you know, the, the trade that they made, um, you know, Knight obviously had injury issues, so, okay, you you don't have that to, to deal with, but what they got in return, is there a, was there a wow in that? I mean, no. I mean, Ryan Anderson's a, a, a nice piece. Melton, it's a rookie. You, you don't know what he could or couldn't be, but there's no wow in it. Um, you know, the wow was in the draft. You know, getting 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 the Aiden, um, but there's been no wow as far as outside of the draft. So you're sitting there and and, and, and you're talking about flipping something. Uh, that's why I keep going back to the next step. Is the next step flipping something? to make something big happen. Uh, but what team would be willing to do that? And, and if you really listen to his interview, he was saying stuff like, well, it's on the other end. You know, we, we can have what we have and what we can offer. But then the other team has to be willing to accept that. And then you got to look at what they have and see if and see if, if both sides can work something out. He said, it's not on us, it's on them as far as the trade. So, you're wondering what dealings were being made and what Phoenix really offered and what they, you know, because we know what they're asking for, but we don't know what they exactly were offering. <laughs> so what, what, what did they put out there yeah. to make another team go, hmm, okay, that's worth it, or say, hmm, nah, nah, thanks for no that. Right, and even to go beyond that, what was Ryan McDonough willing to put out there? And then what was right. Robert Sarver willing to put out there? Because I think that might be where there's a little different, uh, uh maybe a misunderstanding between the two of them. Now, right. for, of course, Robert Sarver can't fire the general manager of another team. So he took it out on the general manager of the team that he owns. <laughs> now yeah. you came from I'm, most I'm recently. Sorry, that was funny though. <laughs> Thank you. Now, it seems most most recently you came from the Montgomery ad Advertiser, so you were writing in uh, Alabama. That means that you have uh, a bit of an outsider's perspective of the team. A lot of the ire of Suns fans is 
pointed directly at Robert Sarver right now. He's been right. an owner that has done a lot that Suns fans have disagreed with in his entire tenure. Now, right. as someone who came from an outsider perspective, what has been your perception of Robert Sarver uh, from the past, and, and what has it been maybe since you started covering the team a little more closely? Well, um, before I even before I even address that, you know, I, I mean, I've been a you know, I covered college, I covered major college football, but I always kept an eye on the NBA uh, mm-hmm. because it's it's the NBA, <laughs> you know. It's, so you always keep it, you keep an eye on what's going on uh, with, with when they make moves. Uh, you know who, who has what. You know, you know the ticker. Of, uh, I, I, I constantly pay attention to to, to the league, um, which is part of the reason I took the job because I because I always kept an eye on the league. Um, but as far as the initial, when you go back to the number of coaches that have come through there um, since D'Antoni, um, and then you're looking at that and you're going, okay, well, all right, that. That doesn't seem normal. Um, then when you fire a coach three games into a season, because Sarver put it out there to basically say, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, when it comes to the decisions, you know, I, I, own, I own those. I'm responsible. Ultimately, I'm the one that's responsible. So um, that would mean in, in terms of putting McDonald in the position of power to make the decisions and then him actually making decisions. So when you see – Watson, when he got fired, then you see um, how that's worked in terms of who has been drafted, um, you know, with, with, with Bender and, 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 and some of the some of the some of the drafts obviously have worked. You know, you drafted Booker. Uh, you, you obviously this Aiden Aiden looks like that's going to that that could really work um, if he continues to develop. Uh, but, you know, you you're looking back at, at at some of the others and you're going, mm, well, that doesn't, that hasn't panned out. So when you look at his history in that sense, um, it's hit or miss. Now that's the, that's somebody that's the nature of, of the, of the business. You're not going to hit a thousand, uh, you know, you're not going to hit that because if, if they hit a thousand, it'll go and stay warrior. So you're not going to hit a thousand. Um, so, 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 so they, but you want to hit better than what they've been hitting. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, so you, you, you're weighing all that. And, and so, so clearly I thought today in the interview, he, he, he took ownership, which I think he should, um, because he is the owner. Um, and it just doesn't look good. And I think that's part of at the end of that when you heard the questions about perception, it doesn't look good, uh, from Eric Bledsoe. That just brought all that back. You know, this, this whole thing is like, okay, here's another example of why Phoenix is in this situation. And then you go and look at, you know, who they uh, haven't been able to bring in and, and uh, you know, which is why he was talking about the draft, saying we control that part. We control the draft. We can't control the free agency, but we control the draft. So which is why he was harping on that, uh, harping on that uh, today. So. Um, but his history, it doesn't look good, but when you're rich, you're an owner. Ain't, no, ain't nobody above him. 
So, so, what you, so, 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 so if he want to do what he do, then, you know, you got to roll with that. So I, I don't know if it really matters uh, in terms of, I mean, the Suns fans, I know I, I, I can, I sense the frustration today. It almost, it came out like full. Like, you know, you, you know, you got the games and you're seeing them struggle, but you're saying it's preseason and you're saying there's no booker. You know, you're like, well, you're not seeing the full squad yet. But then when you, when this happens, then you sense the, oh, here we go again. And you see it. You hear it. And so I think they have reason to go, here we go again. Well, I think one of the things that Suns fans really fear the most is, again, talking about this outsider perspective, just like thinking that this team has a toxic culture that just doesn't work from, from the top, bottom, this toxic culture. From what you've seen so far, being in the locker room, being at training camp, you know, just talking to obviously the team as a new coach, new coaching staff and, and talking to players as well. Does it seem like a healthy environment, like the type of environment that you can actually build a winning culture out of? Because I think for a lot of Suns fans, that's the biggest worry right now is how do you take what's happened uh, over the past several seasons and really start to turn it around? It's, it's interesting that you ask, ask that question. Um, you know, the guys seem to get along great. I mean, I mean, just just seeing them and interacting, you know, there's a good, there's a, the vibe, a good vibe is there, uh, a good energy is there. I think the coach uh, is can be brutally honest, and uh, I think that that it seems to be working in terms of what um, how the players are responding to what they're being coached to do. Uh, you know, he, he, he's pointed out certain guys and said that, you know, like Bender, you know, he said Bender needs to be tougher. Um, Jackson, he said, you know, you gotta understand if, he, if I'm gonna put you in a playmaker role, you've gotta make smarter, you gotta make better decisions with the ball, you know, cause, you know, Jackson has 16 turnovers in three games. So he's like, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're playing well, but you gotta be smarter or better when you're making decisions um, with the ball. So, you know, and, and, you know, you're not hearing, you know, could you, you can do an interview and you can sense the player is like, ah, yeah, he said that about me. So I got it. I'm not getting that sense um, from guys. They seem, like I said, seem to be getting along fine. Now, this right here could put guys on edge, you know, uh, you know, wondering what's going to happen next. When you fire the GM, uh, you know, the players are like, well, you're going to fire him, then where do I stand? Um, and, and obviously that's not with all of them. I mean, Booker's safe, Aiden's safe, uh, you know, but I'm sure certain guys are like, hey, yo, what's this all about? So, and the whole team is probably feeling the same way and, and probably the coach and the staff. And so that, that's a, this is a big shakeup. So I'd be curious to see how they respond to this because you can be in that foxhole and, and you know, we're, we're in the bunker or all in the bunker together. But when something like this happens, uh, you know, then, you know, it really shows you where to, you know, that, that anything can happen. And so I'd be curious to see how the players respond to this. But, um, from what I've seen, like in camp, you know, they, like I said, seem to be getting along. Personalities seem to be, seem to mesh. Ariza seems to be a, a good influence. He's taking on a, a leadership role. Uh, you can tell he's he, he's they they follow his lead. You can see that in a lot of ways. 
you know, Aiden seems to be fitting in well, taking, you know, from the, from, you know, from John Tyson and really accepting that whole idea. I, I got to learn from these guys. These guys have been here and done that. I haven't. And, uh, when you're, when, when, when someone of that talent is accepting, um, that type of, uh, you know, leadership or, you know, or mentoring, um, that's huge. So, and they're young. So, you know, a lot of, you know, so that, that, that's working. Um, well, you know, okay, we're, we're in this. We're young, we're young gunners. We're going to try to make this happen. So you got all that going. So I don't see an issue in terms of, um, in terms of getting along, um, with each other. Like, I don't, I don't see one guy that's mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't want to be here. You know, or, or I'm gonna be a disruption. <laughs> I, 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 I don't see that. I don't see that. Uh, I mean, I'm not around him 24 seven, but from what I've seen, I don't see that. Now, you brought up Aiden a couple of times. First, you said that he seems to be a guy that can really succeed as long as he keeps working at it. And you brought up his willingness to be coached and his personality and his willingness to try to be a leader. What were your impressions of Aiden? maybe before you got to the team and how has he performed in your eyes? Has he exceeded those? Has he met those? Maybe even, I, I can't imagine that you would think that he's not meeting your expectations unless you had very high expectations for him already. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's, he's been really good in the preseason so yeah, far. Yeah. Better, even better than college, I would say as far as using the space that being in the NBA provides. But what, what is your impression of him so far? Well, before, um, I watched a few games when he was at Arizona. I mean, how couldn't you? How could you not? I mean, mm-hmm. he was, you know, you're looking at him and going like, you know, this dude here is the, you know, best player in the country. And you're going, you know, he, I watched Bagley, of course, and um, being in Alabama, I watched Colin Sexton um, and watched the, some of the Kentucky guys that that came through and, and uh, you know, ended up getting obviously drafted on the point guard and, and uh, saw those guys, so um, saw clearly uh, talent, um, special talent. Um, you can see that obviously in college. And you know, I saw the first time he played. I said, "Well, he's not going to be here. You know, this is it. You know, he, he, why would he stay?" I think I don't even know why. You know, he might want to declare now. This was back in November. I said, well, "I don't know why he's even messing around with this whole waiting, you know, deal." Um, but um, but what I've seen so far. I knew I, I knew that he could be um, in terms of getting you know inside and, and I think they should be using him more in the post, but they haven't been using him as much in the post as I thought. But it's a different game, so you know him on the outside um, at the high post, it works. You know it works. But what has impressed me, you know, he, he obviously can score. Um, that that's and you know he, he's got the athleticism to, to be able to, to block shots. Um, and pretend protect the paint. He needs to obviously get better at that. I think what's interesting that sometimes he's out in the perimeter and guys drive on him. That's the next step for him. Because on pick and roll, I was surprised on the pick and roll, on the switch on the pick and roll. The guy has quick feet. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. he's on, he's on, I mean, he's on toes. He's not on heels. He's on toes bouncing around. I'm like, this dude's seven one and bouncing around like he's six five. I'm like, this is, I was just, you know, but it was funny. Booker was saying that that's 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 what we got to have out of him. This was before he even played the preseason game. He was saying, you know, 
you're gonna have to switch out on guys like Steph Curry. He's naming Harden. He's naming all these dudes. He's like, you know, that's gonna be part of his um, job um, as far as on the defensive end. But so I've been surprised by that, even though Aiden said that that's what he did at Arizona. I guess I wasn't paying much attention, and I was just seeing him dunking and, and wasn't really <laughs> seeing that. Uh, but that's that that's been a surprise. Um, and then them running the offense through him. Um, Coach Igor is said said he's our Steve Nash right now. This awesome book out. But just just think about that statement. He's our Steve Nash right now. Yeah. So you're saying this dude seven one, and he's your playmaker right now. Like that's just saying a <laughs> lot about what he thinks um, Aiden is. But just to see him uh, making decisions. Um, passing, you know, making the right pass, uh, you know, and, you know, obviously his dive to the rim, that should be, uh, you know, there, there should be at least a couple of those highlights in the game. But, um, but lastly, um, his, I think he showed in the last game, even though Portland won soundly, um, getting on the offensive glass against guys that aren't as quick as him because who the, 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 the defenders he had in that game, weren't as quick as him. So he was able to get around them for tip-ins and put-backs. And I think him figuring out early, you know, like, 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 it's almost like, you know, once he goes, now you go, you go through some, go through a stretch of things once and then, okay, you recognize, all right, that's there, that's there, that's there. It's like going through a maze. That's there, that's there. Or like when you're driving, I've been using GPS to get all over the place. But now, you know, there's certain times I don't have to use a GPS to get to the arena now. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I know. Okay, take this exit. Take that exit. I think that's what you're going to see with him. He's going to go through some growing pains that he's not recognizing right away. You know, all the film he can look at, nothing like being in a live situation. So once he goes through that and figures out who's guarding, how they function, what they are, what type of players they are, I think he's going to even be better in the second half of the season because he's going to go through these experiences, he's going to learn from those. So I think what you're seeing now, if he continues to develop, and it looks scary now, because it, I know, but it, but it is preseason. But once he gets to the second half of the season and gets to learn how to play with the other guys, and learn how to play with Booker, I think he's going to be even better second half of the season. I think that's when you're going to see when you're wondering, is this the guy for the next ten or twelve years? That's when you'll start to see if that's going to be it in the second half. Dwayne, before we uh, let you go, I do want to give you a chance to talk about yourself a little bit and introduce yourself to Suns fans. Just maybe talk about your experience in in sports journalism. I know you've been doing it for decades and, uh, you know, how it led you here to Phoenix in the first place. And also, are the Suns a team that you've been interested in historically as you followed the NBA? Uh, Well, wow, decades. And don't don't put too many decades. I don't have no gray now. Come on, I'm not gray. Couple couple decades. I'm not gray. I'm decades. not gray yet. It's probably coming. Um, after covering this team, I probably will be gray. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, um, actually, I mean, I don't want to you know bore people with with anything. I'm not going to go all the way back when I first started or anything like that. But um, my first real taste of NBA was um, I used to work in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I used to cover um, um, some Cavs games when LeBron, when LeBron's first run. And uh, matter of fact, I covered the finals when they played San Antonio 
and uh, we should just have like go early, go to early games early in the season, around the All Star break before and after, and then towards the end of the season. So saw you know saw you know out of the forty one home games, probably saw you know a little little under half of those in the regular season in the playoffs. You know, follow them strictly. And I was at I was in Detroit and they scored the last twenty five points. So I was there for that 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 feat. Uh when you saw, okay, well I guess, you know, this dude is the, the real deal. I guess I guess I guess the Jordan stuff I guess we can start that now, uh, with him. <laughs> but, you know, I saw that and obviously uh saw Cleveland trying to get to the finals with that first run there and was 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 following them all the way up to the to the, to the decision. And then even after that, um, that that next year after that, um, um, and then so so I so that was so I so during that time, you know, uh, saw Steve Nash when Phoenix came to town, um, saw Orlando, Dwight Howard, uh, the big three in Boston, uh, Kobe when the Lakers came, and everyone thought the Lakers and the Cavs were going to meet in the finals um, before Orlando uh, beat them um, and beat them in the playoffs. So I saw a lot of the, those great, the Houston teams, um, with, with Grady. Uh, so I saw a few of those, uh, squads, um, over the years. Cause we only went to the, to the, when they played, you know, significant games. I wasn't going to go see them, mm-hmm. you know, play, play the Knicks. No offense, but I wasn't going to go see them play the Knicks. <laughs> I'm not trying to beat up on the Knicks. It just, it just feels that way. But, uh, but I did that. I, right. It is too easy. I did that for, for, for a number of years and then. I left and uh, started doing major college college football. But I was, like I said, kept my eye on on the NBA. Now, now looking at the Suns in particular, um, I mean, you, you, you mean if you're a fan of the game, you you saw Nash and Amari uh, making it happen. You know, with with, with Sean Marion and and all those all, all all those all those boys. I mean, that was a very fun offense to watch. Dan Tony and I went to the same college. He went before I did. Uh, he went to Marshall uh, way before I. You talking about decades? Now that's decades. Yeah, that's- uh, he, he went way before I did. But we went to the same school, and that's why I always followed him because we went to the same school. And so I kept and I kept you know kept an eye on Phoenix just to see how he how he was doing and how he would do it. Watched a lot of games because it's like you know well, hey he's from same school I went to and he, but obviously before that. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta know Barkley and Dan Marley and Kevin Johnson and Mark mm-hmm. West. I see Mark West walking around at the arena. I said, that's Mark West. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I was just tripping off of it. He came walk past and I was like, and that, that is Mark West, right? And they was like, yeah, that's Mark West. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to Tom Chambers and, you know, we, you know, I mean, you know, so, so obviously that team and then, you know, uh, Richard Dumas, I even remember him when he was, uh, Played mm-hmm. on the team that made it to the finals, and uh, so remember that. Remember that stretch. Then obviously remember the D'Antoni stretch, but then you obviously saw what happened with uh, you know Eric Bledsoe and and all that, and you're like, man, what? And so I was thinking at the time, what's what's going on with 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 Fink? You know, because they they had always been a playoff team, and, uh, and then to you know just to go from being the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers to slowly evaporating and you're just like what what happened you know so you and then of course the watson thing was like whoa whoa uh, but obviously paired with the bledsoe and so you know but within 
the irony is that I saw Booker when he was in college. Um, Kentucky, you know, obviously SEC. So I saw him play in the tournament. And uh, it's funny because it was a guy, a diehard UK fan, and uh, and we were talking. And because Kentucky fans, y'all probably never been to the SEC tournament. I don't know if you haven't. I didn't say that, but if you haven't, Kentucky fans buy all the tickets. So once other teams start getting bounced, then they start buying up more tickets. And then by the time they get to the championship game, it looks like Rupp Arena. You know, it's, it's, it's insane. So, so, but I saw Booker in college. Obviously played with Cat and Big Cat and, and, and those guys. And, and, uh, me and his Kentucky fan, he was talking about, he, I, I said, who do you think the best player is on the team? I think he mentioned Tyler Ewes, which was legit. Cause look, I mean, which was a legit answer because Ewes was a leader on the team, older guy. And I said, I think it's Devin Booker. And they're like, why? I said, cause he could score. I said, this is the league. I said, the league is scoring. I said, now here, Calipari spreading all these minutes out. He's got all these dudes and he's just, you know, whatever. I said, but once they get to the league, you're going to see Booker be the guy because he can score. Well, he only averaging 10 points a game. I said, that's because he's here. I said, put him on LSU. He's averaging 30. I said, so that's a, that's a, it's all based on who he's playing for. So I've seen him and I saw Bridges last year. When Villanova played Alabama in the tournament, and he went bonkers in the second half uh, with threes, and so the irony of it is, I've seen some of these guys already play. Like, Dwayne, person. if you keep making calls, if you keep making calls like that, maybe you should uh, forward your resume to Robert Sarver for this GM. No, yeah. Robert don't need me, <laughs> and I don't need to be on Robert's staff. Then Robert let the guy go. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if I'd, I'd be safe. Safe, safe. <laughs> right, no, I'm just kidding. But no, I can't. No, no way. But I'm just saying, I, I saw those guys play. And so the irony of when the opportunity came to me and I started doing research on the team um, before I accepted the job, because I wanted to make sure, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to take this, I need to know what I'm, what I'm looking at. It. If it's just because I'm already traveling 26 hours across country to get here. So I'm like, if I'm going to do that. I need to know if I'm what I'm looking at. And, uh, you know, obviously was familiar with Ariza, um, knew about Chandler, uh, saw Anderson. Um, obviously, I knew he was a shooter. Um, some of the names were a little vague, but not a lot. And I, once I looked at that, I said, well, I'd be comfortable um, covering a team that I hadn't seen in person. Um, and I said, okay, yeah, I, I'll be comfortable because I've seen some of the guys before. So, so that's what led me here in terms of what my experiences and, and things of that nature. But, but no, nah, it's been fun so far. I mean, you know, it's been fun, and, and this is yeah. this is fun to me. Uh, I know that some people stress over this, and uh, but, you know, it's like, you know, us as journalists, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we, we want a story. Absolutely. You know, this is a story. I mean, you know, this is a story. This isn't anything else. This is a story. So, yeah, this is a hey. Hey, from 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 this between this and and, and driving back from uh, Flagstaff and seeing a row of cactus where I had to get out of the car and pull over and take pictures, this has been. Fun. I will say, I will say, Dwayne, <laughs> as far as being a new reporter joining a new team, you picked a good time to do it because there's a new coach, there's going to be yes. a new GM, there's eight new players that are likely going That's to get right. minutes in this coming season. As far as they're concerned, you That's may right. as well have been here forever. You're you're just as new as they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's new. 
Everybody's new. That's, what, that's why everybody everybody looks around. They're like, well, he's new. He's new. Yep. She's new. She's new. Absolutely. He's new. They're Absolutely. new. They're new. So everybody's new. So I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm good with you got, it. So you, got, you got a nice <laughs> chance to, to, get to get to know all of them right at the beginning here. So thank you so much for joining us. I hope we can have you on again. This has been really fun. And I think you're going to have a lot of great insight on the team in this season, uh, you know, with your background and coming to it with a new, fresh perspective on the team. So we're really looking forward to uh, reading all your stuff. Make sure everyone go follow him on Twitter. That's at Dwayne Rankin. Uh, Dwayne has been writing some great stuff for AZ Central. He's going to be covering the team throughout the season. Are you going to be traveling to the away games, Dwayne? I am. I'm just. I, I just didn't go to the preseason games. And, I don't blame and, you. you. Know, we made. We made that. We made that. Well, we made that decision um, before. Um, right as I took the job, they were saying, well, hey, you know, we're not going to go. But I tell you, I wish I was there tonight because I would be <laughs> on the hunt trying to figure <laughs> I'd be on the hunt trying to figure out, hey, yo, what happened? Why? When? What? How? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's okay. Uh, but, but no, I, I will be on the road uh, with the team all, all regular season. So um, that should be that that should be fun. It's, it's just funny. that Obviously, they open up against Dallas in, their, in the next two road games in Denver and Golden State. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like, man, this, this, and plus, you know, and plus, we didn't even talk about, you know, you know, is Booker going to be back? I, I assume he will. I think so. Uh, and that, I assume he will. I mean, he, I tell you that, 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 and along with the cactus <laughs> and this story today, uh, seeing Devin, Devin Booker shooting left-handed, that was fascinating. <laughs> that was absolutely fascinating. It was. I, I just couldn't believe that he had gotten that good. With his offhand, I mean, it was, it, it, it was fascinating to see that. Uh, I mean, that kid's really talented. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dwayne. I'm really looking forward to reading all your stuff throughout the season. Uh, and, thank yeah. you guys for having me on. All right, let's all watch uh, the Tyler Ulysses revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the Tyler Ulysses game. I'm definitely dialed in. <laughs> all right, Dwayne. Thank you so much for joining. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all. Tim Tompkins here from the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. So you just got done listening to the Timeline Podcast. Mike and Sam do a great job. I listen to every single episode. And if you're like me, you want even more Sun's content. So since you've wrapped up this episode of the Timeline, head on over and subscribe to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. Chances are we have a new episode that you will enjoy. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast, available on iTunes, Google Play, and basically anywhere listen to podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.